You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarnet. If you enjoy listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to this show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. I'm super excited today to have special guest, Christina Wise. She is a self-made millionaire who almost lost her life in 2013. She is the most influential real estate leader in the country, and she's been featured in USA Today, recognized by Apple and Evernote for her creative leadership and emerging technologies. Christina, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so happy to be here. Congratulations on all of your success. Your story is so inspirational, but I wanted to know, can you tell us a little bit more about your life-changing moment in 2013? My accolade list is long and it's pretty amazing when I look back on it, but the other side of the coin or story is it nearly killed me. So it's wonderful to put all those things on a bio and they do sound amazing and they can be inspirational, but what I didn't know at the time is I was really trading my health for wealth. I was just in the rat race and I couldn't slow down and wherever, whatever rung of the ladder of success I got to is never enough. I need to go to the next one, the next one. I had to run marathons and I had to run Boston. Nothing was ever satisfactory. And that's what took me down. I was fine one moment the next day I couldn't get out of bed. And then it went downhill from there. And I spent a full year fighting for my life, not knowing what was going on. So really the turning point about that is, is I left my industry, which was real estate technology, all these things that top 100, those different that I was, I just led the industry at a national level. And after I got back from being sick, I walked away from that industry because I just realized that I didn't want to be in that race anymore. I didn't want to play that game anymore. The cost was too high. And I'd learned a lot of just kind of life and spiritual lessons in that healing journey. And I always say a healing journey is really a spiritual one for anybody that's been through it. Now what I do and I teach, I try to teach in a way these life principles and wealth and money principles so that we can go towards and grow our wealth, but not at the sacrifice of our health. I love that you talk about that because I tell my clients all the time that your health is your wealth. And without good health, it's very difficult for you to build wealth for yourself or anyone else. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about your perspective on how they're the same thing. In your personal life, you have expressed that you were fighting for your life, but how else do you see in other people's lives how the two are so connected, they need to be treated as such, like they belong together and they both need to be maintained? Yeah, and really, if we can look at them as distinct parts, but the same thing as well. And it's like our body is one system, but we have all these distinct parts of our body. If one's missing, it's not going to work, even though it's one body. And that's really what I learned. I was oblivious and blind before that my health was, I, I just took advantage of it. It was always there until it wasn't. And I think that winds up for so many people that we think we're healthy. And all of a sudden there's a heart attack or there's cancer or there's diabetes or the, whatever the fill in the blank is. And so much of it does go back to stress and just bad, probably poor lifestyle habits. But yeah, I've even named my company, my new brand and what I do today coming out of that experience. And it's called Wealthy and it's money, W-E-A-L-T-H, Wealthy. Then it's Wealthy, W-E-L-T-H-Y. Really with the play on the names that 
that money wealth is important, but for the sake of why? Why do we want money? Why do we need money? Why are we working so hard to grow our money? To be able to pay the cost of a healthy lifestyle, right? And not just be our bodies healthy, but mentally healthy, physically healthy, emotionally healthy, relationally healthy. And all these take money, of course, but it also just takes a, um, awareness and it takes time and attention and intention. When I came out of that and kind of came up with this idea of wealthy, I actually went back to the etymology of the words health and wealth. And when you track both these words all the way back to the creation of the words, they actually say the same things. They have the same definition. So when I looked up wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, it comes from the old English wheel, W-E-A-L, which at the time meant well-being, welfare, meaning you fare well. And it's, it was a state of good fortune and happiness. So the root word, like at the very beginning, the source word of the money of the of wealth was happiness, was well-being. And that's now when you move that over to health and you go back to the etymology of health and what health means, it means happiness, well-being, you know, that your being is well. And so I found it very fascinating that not only do we need one to have the other, really, but they actually go back to the same root concepts. And I think we can all, what I learned from my experience in taking my health for granted is that, and without knowing it, I just pushed myself all the time. And I was like in this rat race of how fast could I reach success and more success. But what I learned through my own experience is that I had the money, I built wealth. I had money, I had great businesses, I had great income, I had great assets, I had good passive income from those assets, mostly real estate. So I thought I was doing everything right. I'd done all the things, but when I was in my bed and couldn't get out and I couldn't work, my, what happened to my business? When I'm not in my business anymore, what happened to the income? It started to go down because I wasn't there to run it 24 seven, put in those 80 hours a week that was dependent on. So that my income went down, my business started to crumble. And that, so that was just the money piece. Then I had to start selling assets because it cost me so much to, to heal me. It wasn't covered by insurance because it was a random, as a random illness. But then I had to start selling things because to pay for it. Granted, luckily I had the cash and could do it, but now I'm trading my wealth to get my health back when I'd spent a decade busting ass to get that wealth in the first place. And now it's going out to get my health that I sacrificed. And then the final piece that was the piece that was filled with so much grief and remorse and regret, which were just grief, remorse, and regret are such dark, sad, heavy emotions and feelings. I was just stuck in it because here I was dying. I hadn't even lived yet. So I was always waiting to live in the future when I'd accumulated more and more. And that more just kept being the next more and the next more. And when I was there, not only was I just sad because, but because of that, but I was also, I couldn't enjoy my money that I'd worked so hard for. I couldn't go out to eat. I couldn't travel. I couldn't leave my bed. I couldn't enjoy life. I couldn't spend time with my children which I'd sacrificed a lot of time with to be on the proverbial success ladder. So all of those things just woke me up that we're just in this game of more success, more money, more everything, more consumables. And it can be such a trap when we're not connected to what really matters. And it's to understand, and I'll complete that long diatribe by saying that, that when we really understand that the wealth, the money wealth is just underwrite the cost of living a good, meaningful life. And knowing how much money it takes to live that life. Money doesn't have to be a chase all the time. We can get out of that game and out of that trap that ultimately not only lead to disease and 
potentially kill us like in my situation, but it doesn't lead to fulfillment or happiness either. I love that. And that actually segues into the next thing I wanted to talk about is how do you calculate your sovereignty number? You talk about that a lot on your website, but I want my listeners to have an idea on how they could do it at home so they could start to plan, like you said, for being able to be free and knowing that they have the resources to do it. I'm so glad you asked that question. I don't get to ask that very often. I love answering that one. So it's a really important question, I think. And so sovereignty freedom just means when I say the word sovereignty, like financial sovereignty, it just means we're whole, we're complete, we're secure, we're steady. We, we don't have all that anxiety and fear on a day-to-day basis, even subconsciously, because we feel, we feel we're capable. We know we're on the right track. We know we're headed in the right trajectory because we know our numbers. And how do we know where we're going to go? How do we know where we're going to get? Or if we get there, if we don't know where we're going, we always need the destination first. If I'm going to go from here to Virginia to visit you, but I don't know where you live, I, I can't find you. And tell me, you tell me your address, I'm not going to get there. I could travel the whole world and never find you. But you give me a pinpoint address, I can reach you in a few hours. So money's the same thing in all these things. It's understanding that what, what is the kind of the that sovereignty number, that financial freedom number, that means when we hit that number, we've done it, right? And it's different for everyone. The thing is, it's different for everyone. But how we calculate that number is just a few rules of thumb that are pretty simple to calculate. But it does many times, it requires a compounding calculator. So anybody that's never used a compounding calculator means they're probably in the income game and not the wealth game. Because when you're really focused on wealth, you understand compounding and you want to plug in these numbers on a, you know, on a semi-regular basis. But so what we do is the first step that's required is know how much does it cost to live your current life? So it's a really important to tally that up. Let's say on an, on an annual average amount, on an annual amount, divide that by 12 and month to month, what is that amount? Is it $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month? But what is it currently? And let's just pretend it's $10,000 a month, which is what you're kind of making and spending on this life that, that is your current cost. The second step is to um, calculate, is that offering you enough money to really live the life that you want right now? So let's pretend that it's 20,000 that you calculate, that you think if I brought home $20,000 a month, and then that would that'd be more than enough money on a monthly basis, on an annual basis to really fund everything that's important to me. If I blow it out more than that, great, but if not, it's enough. So now what we do is we multiply both those numbers by 20. And then that becomes your freedom number, your sovereignty number. So if it's 10,000, so let's just say to make the math easy, let's switch it and say it's $100,000 a year. So if your number is $100,000 a year, which is what, like 8777 a month or something. But if it's 100,000 a year, multiply that by 20. And that means your freedom number is $2 million of net worth. So that's the number you're going after. And now we can put that into what's called a reverse compounding calculator, put in that 2 million, and it will tell you how much you need to start, you know, saving, investing at whatever that average interest rate is going to be to tell you how long it's going to take and how much you need to start putting away now. So something as simple as that, these are very kind of rule of thumb, rough numbers, but it's a great way to get started. And you do that for your current amount. And then if it's $200,000 a year, multiply that by 20, and now it's going to be $4 million. So now when you hit that $4 million, if it's invested in places where you can live off the interest of that, about 5%, then that's going to pay you that $200,000 a year. And that's what freedom is, like true financial freedom, 
Sovereignty means you're on track. You're feeling secure because you know your numbers and you're on track and you're putting money away for tomorrow and you're living a good life today and you're in this growth and you're very conscious about, about your money and you spend time with it to make sure you stay on track. But when you know your numbers and you're on track right there with, it's going to take years to achieve these numbers. You're going to, because it's math. It's certainly you know, taking out your life crisis or something. You're going, you're going to do that. And year over year, you're going to start to create more surplus and more space. And the more wealth that you have in the form of net worth and assets, you're that much farther away from that month to month anxiety and stress. And so that's part of being on what I call the sovereignty track. But what happens is like true financial freedom, when we hit that space, hit that number, that means the income from our assets, that net worth can replace our working income. So that gives us freedom of choice. And real wealth is choice. It means we can choose what we do with our time because the money is going to be there whether we get out of bed or not. And it's that choice, which is the freedom. It's you know freedom from unwanted obligations, relationships, constraints, anxieties, and freedom to live the life, the freedom to choose what we want to do with our time. I love that. I love all of that because that really breaks it down. You presented the math. I'll definitely make sure to put that in the show notes so people can calculate their number. I challenge listeners to calculate their numbers so they can get on track and have confidence that they're going in the right direction. So I'm going to pivot a little bit because I also love another perspective that you mentioned and you talk about where you should treat your finances like a business. And I sometimes joke with my husband that I'm the CEO of our family's finances. And so I wanted you to tell me more about that. Why should people treat their finances like a business? And what does MYOB stand for? Oh, girlfriend, you did your homework. I love these (laughs) questions. Oh man. So first of all, most of who I work with are entrepreneurs, what I call micro business owners, coaches, podcasters, those of us that we really are our business one way or another. And so what can be difficult in that case is separating ourselves from the work that we do in our business. But at the end of the day, it's to, as entrepreneurs, what I call micro business owners, it's like self-employed solopreneur with some help and kind of different things, but that can get very confusing because it's like, we are the business. And if we don't do the podcast that day, then obviously nothing's going to happen. What MYOB stands for, it says it's mind your own business. And you know, always say mind your own business type of thing, but mind your own business means mind it. You want to mind your business, meaning you want to work on your business. And what is a CEO of our business business is means that we take ourselves out of it and we look at how much money do we want to earn? What are the expenses of our business? What's our burn rate? What's our profitability that we're looking at? And to understand like business is just business, but we're, we need to be the CEO hat of our business sometimes. And sometimes we're in our business as the technician or the practitioner, meaning we're doing that. You and I are both in our business right now. We're not working on it. But that's what MYOB stands for, we, that we need, really need to mind that business and all the elements of it, because what we want to do in our business is create what's called profit. We don't just focus on top line. We want to know bottom line. Why? Because our profit is what we want to move from the business account, move into our household account. 
Now, it's to understand that our business is just to make income. It's just business. It's numbers. It's black and white. Yeah, we're passionate. We love it. We help people. We want to make the world a better place. Awesome. And we want to get paid handsomely for doing so. That's part of it as well. And that's the exchange. Give a lot of value and energy and awesome and help people. And in return, they, they reciprocate with some form of payment. And that's what we do. We exchange currencies as a way to exchange value. But that's just business, right? Where life, where the money matters, it's just business and it's the business for profitability. We always need to be focused on business. Now the intention and the goal is to move the profit from our business into our household. It's to understand when we can think of our household as a business, just what you said, we need, now we need to become the CEO of our household business, of household finance, the finance part of household, because it costs money to live. And, but how we live and experience life through our, that type of spending is all in our household. But just like we need to be running profit and losses in our business, we need to be running profit and losses in our household to really see how we're doing based on our personal goals, financial goals, just like we run numbers in the business for the business goals. So that's just it. And when we start thinking in terms of profit, what is profit in our household? Profit in our household that we set aside, we sweep. And we don't spend today so that we can invest and over time have that money that's going to be that future trust fund, those assets that's going to pay us that hundred dollars or $200,000 once the assets reach that amount and we can pull off that cash flow in the forms of interest or dividends or rent or however it's invested. But we, if we're not running our numbers, if we're not looking at our money, if we're not treating it as a business, then we're likely going to overspend. We're going to spend in the wrong places. We're going to slowly but surely get into debt. We're going to make decisions, again, somewhat blindly and unconsciously and really self-sabotage unknowingly. We're working hard. We're building families. We're doing hard work. We're doing good. And at the same time, we're killing ourselves financially. We're robbing ourselves without knowing it. When we understand that our business is about making a profit and our household business is about wealth, then it becomes a wealth game and strategy is very different than income and income strategy. And most people are in the income game and wealth and income are two you know, different distinctions. So when you play the wealth game, you play money very differently and you look at it differently and it all happens in your household. You don't get rich in your business. You build wealth in your household. I like that because that kind of goes into um, what you were saying about how making more money is not always the solution. So that's what you're getting at is some people assume I just need to make more money. I need to make more money. But as you said, it's about what you're doing with it. Even if you're paying yourself from your business, are you managing your household finances responsibly? Are you sweeping that excess that you haven't spent into future investments or capital that can pay you to enjoy your freedom? Or are you overspending or paying off debt because you have this extra money you're spending it too? So I think that's really important. And I liked how you presented it because now I'm thinking from that perspective and getting my husband to do it too. And he's on board. He's wait, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of times it's hard for people to realize just because you got a raise doesn't mean you have to spend it. So I, I really like that. So thanks for sharing that that philosophy. And hopefully a lot of people will take it to heart and start to apply it to their own finances. So now I want to transition to talk more about your academy and who's it for? What do some of the students get when they're working in the program with you and how can they join? Yeah, thank you for that question as well. Let me just say one thing too, last thing we're just talking about, and that is there's something, it's to understand there's this money law and it's called Parkinson's law. And Parkinson's law of money, we've heard it many times in the productivity space, but Parkinson's law also applies to money. 
And Parkinson's law of money says these two parts to it. Part A says expenses will always rise to match income. And it's insidious. It's invisible. We don't even know. It's so natural that we don't even know what's happening. So we're not paying attention to our money and we're not tracking it. We're not talking about it. We're not looking at it. We're not moving it. We're not in charge of it. It naturally happens. It's like breathing. We don't think about breathing, but we just breathe in and breathe out. So this is most of us are without knowing that this is even in place, we're victim to it without knowing it. And this is what's defeating and keep most people on that hamster wheel that the more money you make, the more money you spend. And so as you make more money in your business, you get the raises or now you have a double income, whatever the case is, when you get, when you start making more money and even significantly more money, naturally the expenses fall for it. We went from 100,000 a year, we get married and now our spouse makes 100,000 a year. So now it's, yeah, we just went from, I just went from 100 and we went to 200. Do we drive the same cars? Do we drive? Do we stay in the same apartment or house? Do we go on the same vacations? No. What happens? We trade and it's like, Yahoo, now we can have this car and now we can have these vacations and now we can buy, we can put, we can afford the payments. We can put furniture on the interest credit card that they said that they would do it because everybody wants to sell you debt now. Everybody wants to sell you the lifestyle for these payments. So every time you get a new payment, you increase the cost of your living. And uh, now we're paying, we're bringing in the banks and we're keeping the banks rich because anytime you pay interest, you're robbing yourself of that same interest. And so one of the principles is stay out of debt, you know, only don't put anything on any card that you can't pay cash for, because we want those margins that otherwise would go to the credit card that you're paying to interest in, in credit cards. You want to put towards that future fund, which is going to be your, that towards that money that we just talked about, that you're going to use over time. So you're either paying the money to the banks in the form of interest, or you're going to pay you in the fact that you get to collect the interest. And so that's just a mindset shift there to think about it that way. But that's just it is to know if we're not really in our money and aware of it, we're going to fall victim to that part of uh, Parkinson's law. The second part of Parkinson's law says that what, what was once a luxury becomes a necessity. So with every raise comes a next level of necessity. So then sometimes incomes fluctuate. Maybe one of the spouses loses their job for a while. So now we go down, but now we're used to this lifestyle at 200,000. Nobody wants to go back to down to a hundred thousand. And we almost sometimes feel entitled. And so we get used to the conveniences and the comforts of a lot more money. So when we can just be aware of that and not be victim to it and know that profit first. And so when you really get into the wealth game and now the income game, the income spending game, that I'm referencing, your profit comes off first in your household. What that means is your take is 10 or 20% or whatever your number is off the top based on those calculations I gave you, how much money you need to take off the top. You take that off first and then you spend what's left over. Most people say, hey, I don't have anything left over now after all my expenses, I'll save an investment future when I make more money and then I'll do it. But then Parkinson's law hits effect and now you're just 10, 20 years older and you still haven't started that because of that expense creep. So it's just really important to know that we want to know these numbers and not be, you know, victim to Parkinson's law. Wow. That's a lot, but I want to unpack it for some of our listeners because I'd never heard of that before. So that's news to me. And I think that's so valuable because it does happen. And a lot of people 
pursue the job that pays more or get the jobs that come with bonuses for the purpose of being able to do more things or to buy more things. And you just presented a perspective where that type of lifestyle is keeping the banks rich. And that's the kind of money that we could be keeping for ourselves and making ourselves wealthy. So I I really want people to take that to heart and process that for themselves and see how you can transition your mindset to be able to keep more of that wealth in the household and towards your personal goals. And like you said, earning that interest instead of giving it to the banks. So that was really good. Is that the type of concepts that you teach in your academy? Yeah, so all these things are exactly what we learned in the academy. And the Sovereignty Academy is a money school. So I created this, and the tagline is everything we should have learned about in school about money, but they didn't offer that class. And it's understanding that money is a life skill. What is common sense about money? You make it and you spend it, is what's keeping us paycheck to paycheck. And there's wisdom, the kind of the conventional wisdom, common, what I call the common sense of money. It's creating us unknowingly to self-sabotage those dreams and desires in the near future and the long-term. So that's why teachers things like the principles and how much money is enough and to, re, you know, to have the calculators and reverse into some of these numbers so that we can get on track. It's also to know too, that, that we need goals. What are, what's the destination and goals? We need some tools, like what are the calculators and some of the formulas, very simple to figure out, but we need to know these numbers. It's, and it's math. So it's very predictable once we know what the numbers are and we, we can do that. And we need systems. And so most people, they don't really have a financial system. The system is the machine, the wealth creating machine that we want to build so that it holds the money accountable and allows us to move it different ways. And really understanding that we're in charge, we're responsible, charging and control of our own, our own destiny, our own financial destiny. And it's available for everyone. And it really is, and it's not complicated, but it is learned, it's learned knowledge and learned skill and learned behavior. Most people don't figure it out on their own. It sounds like you've done a lot of study of money and wealth. I've spent decades, rigorous study to get good at what I do. And now I can teach it after years of learning and applying and making mistakes. And that didn't work. And I am where I am now, but it's not just, it didn't happen by accident. It came because I was very intentional about it about learning. And every time I'd learn new things, I'd be like, Oh my God, like, how come we don't know this or learn this? So that's what sovereignty Academy is the money school to help us learn these things so that we can get, we can learn everything we need to know about money. So we can get on track to build our financial destinies that we're working so hard for. I love that. And it's so true. I I have been a money nerd for quite some time. My dad bought me Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki when I was 16 and I read it. And then I started saving for retirement with my first paycheck from a retail job. So I'm one of the interesting kids who was like, I don't want to work forever. At 16, I was like, I'm retiring early and I'm going to start saving now. But most 16 year olds are not thinking that. And then most 20 year olds in college weren't thinking that either. So when I'm telling people, oh yeah, I have a Roth individual retirement account. They're looking at me like, who's Roth? What are you talking about? So I I totally understand what you're saying. And I think that what you're providing is very valuable and useful. So thank you for setting up a place where people can learn what we're not learning in school. That's, That's pretty dope. So the name of the podcast is called The Purpose of Money. And I always ask my guests, this is my signature question. What is your purpose for money? 
My purpose for money is to underwrite the cost of living a good, meaningful, awesome, connected, space-filled life. And like I said, when I was just in the rat race all the time, I was missing life. It was just about more money and comparison and getting the next award, next award. And it was empty and it, there was never an end in sight. I would have done that forever and really missed my life. And, but I thought it was for the sake of chasing more money. I don't know. So yeah, like the purpose of my money is to very, be very, to know how much money is enough and to make sure that I'm spending my money in ways that allow me to live a good life because that's what it's for, to be healthy, to have great relationships, to have space and time. And ultimately that for financial freedom, so that I just, I have more choice and can do what I want when I want and how I want. Last but not least, because I think you're awesome and I really learned a lot from you today. I want my listeners to be able to follow you, join your academy. So can you tell me what's the best way to keep in contact with you? Go ahead and drop your website and social media platforms. Awesome. Thank you. If anybody's interested in the money school, just go to sovereigntyacademy.com. So that's just if you're just interested And in that, if not, I have my own podcast too, Wealthy Podcast, which I have lots of these types of conversations, but I'm interviewing people smarter than I am. I am better to have done more than I, so I'm learning from them. So it's always nice to listen in. And then Instagram, Christina Wise, everything I do is at Christina Wise, um, I can two S's. And finally, I have a free copy of my book. It's called fallingformoney.com. And I talk a lot about this. It's an easy read and it's just, you can get through it in, in, a, in an evening or maybe a couple of days if you breeze through it. But again, I bring forth a lot of these principles and tell a lot of story in the book. And that's just at fallingformoney.com if anybody wants a free copy. Love it. I'll make sure to include all of that in the show notes so everyone can check you out, follow you on social. And of course, guys, if you love this episode, please share it with others and leave a five-star review where you're listening. Thank you so much, Christina, for being on the show today. I cannot wait to continue to share this wisdom and information with my friends and family. Thank you so much. You're so welcome and great questions. I love them. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you have the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep creating freedom in your life today.